You're listening to the Party in My Plants podcast. And if you've ever suffered or are currently suffering from nutrition information overload, well, take a load off Fanny. Take a load for free. Take a load off Fanny and you. Listen to this chat in one, two, three. Welcome to the Party in My Plants podcast, where I make healthy living as fun as a party so you'll, you know, actually want to do it and then actually feel, look, and live your best. I'm your host, Talia Pollock. Now let's get this party started. Today's episode is all about the power of plants, and I can think of no better sponsor for this show than a company who makes consuming more plants more easy. Amazing grass. Point blank. I love amazing grasses, amazing grasses, which if you listen to this podcast or take a peek at my Instagram, you surely know by now. Their green superfood powders are an insanely tasty blend of nutritious greens, phytonutrient-packed fruits, veggies, grasses, digestive enzymes, and probiotics that I can't and don't want to live without. Don't make me live without it. I'm personally an enormous fan of their watermelon energy flavor, which I drink practically every morning. But they've got a massive assortment of grassy products to check out and fall in love with. They even have a kid's superfood, chocolate flavored, which I wish my mommy fed me when I was a kid instead of that Ovaltine crap. Anyway, to make Amazing Grass even more amazing, if that's possible, they're offering Party in My Plants podcast listeners 40% off. Yes, 40, almost 50% off all of your Amazing Grass orders. If you go to their website, amazinggrass.com, and use the coupon code PLANTSPARTY40 at checkout. That's PLANTSPARTY40 at checkout on amazinggrass.com. And all that info is linked in the show notes at partyinmyplants.com slash 117. Today's guest's relationship with food used to be nuts. Her relationship with nuts used to be nuts too. But neither of those things are nuts anymore, as Ali Bonar has learned both how to be chill around food and how to enjoy nut butter vibes without nuts in said butter. Allie, known on the interwebs as the Avo Queen, is incredibly passionate about helping other ladies regain their queenness and feeling body positive once and for all. She's also passionate about dripping her granola butter, a product she and her boyfriend invented, all over smoothie bowls. But in this breaking news conversation, Allie reveals the truth about who's really eating the stuff she photographs. I love Allie not only because she and I both admit to having had awkward body insecurity vendettas over high school volleyball shorts, and not only because she sat in her car to record our entire interview, but also because she too believes in the importance of telling it like it freaking is, thank you very much. And in this fun conversation, I think, and I hope, we told a lot of things like they freaking are, thank you very much. The queen is in the house. <laughs> what is up, Allie? How are you doing? Thank you so much for being here. Hi. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I don't feel like royalty right now. I'm sweaty and um, I'm in the kitchen just literally grinding that granola butter. So oh my God. I'm wearing my Jurassic Park shirt. I, I definitely <laughs> don't look like the queen, although <laughs> I, I'm feeling, you know. Are you feeling like a queen inside? Because being a queen is more about the you inside. Know, 
from the outside. I guess I am. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess I am. Well, as I was prepping for our chat, you know, I was fascinated by the timeline of your life. You know, you put a lot out there on the internet for us to read about the story of your life. And I'm not talking about like when you started to walk and talk or like got your period, but like how your nutrition and wellness path has unfolded over time, I thought is really interesting. So if it's cool with you, I'd love to just start in the beginning, way before queen was a word associated with you or granola butter or anything. Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. So I always kind of take my journey back to um, probably like middle school. Uh, My mom always used to joke that I would wake up before anyone else in the family and I would be just obsessed with like making everyone's lunches. She was like, I thought something was wrong with you. Like, you know, she was really grateful because she's like, well, I didn't have to make the lunches. But I've always been, it was super weird. I just really loved food. Yeah. Like I would make my lunch, you know, my school lunch, my, um, oh, I guess. So my dad is a, he was a fifth grade school teacher. So, you know, would make his lunch for school, pack my mom's little lunch. She's a dentist. And so, you know, both my parents were like, okay. And this was starting in like third grade. And, you know, I was doing it for like uh, my allowance. Like they would pay me because my parents were both like, great. We get an extra like 30 minutes of sleep. Oh my God. But I mean, it just goes to show, like, I have just been fascinated by food from such a young age. And it wasn't obviously like a disordered place back then. I just really loved, you know, creating and in the kitchen and, and putting, you know, different foods together. So Hmm. I guess, you know, my love for food goes back a long ways. And then, so kind of going into, you know, middle school and then high school, obviously with like hormones and being insecure in your body, like I started to kind of just noticed that my body was a lot different than everyone else's. And so, um, growing up, I was, you know, super athletic. I played volleyball and I don't know if you like have ever played volleyball or obviously like, you know, seeing girls playing volleyball, it's like the teensy little spandex booty shorts. Dude, which, I wouldn't play volleyball yes. because of the shorts. I love volleyball. Yep. I, when we would do it in gym class, I would freaking have the time of my life. I was like stoked. It was the best. But then when I thought about actually joining the team, I did not do it because of the shorts. Oh my God. Because I'm I mean, so insecure so- about my legs in those damn little booty shorts. Mm-hmm. It's so real. And like, you know, you're jumping around, like there's yes. nothing to hold it in. So anyways, so, I mean, I started playing volleyball and so put that together with, you know, being surrounded by all of my friends were all front row hitters. So they were at least, you know, five eleven, six uh-huh. feet tall. And I was the libero, which is like the, the little pipsqueak in the back row. Who's just like digging for everything. So I didn't have to be tall. And so I was just surrounded by all these girls who, you know, had hit their growth spurts in like a matter of a couple months. And so they're all like, yes, they're super tall, but they're super lanky too. And so I think that, you know, looking back, it took me a long time to kind of put the pieces together, but finally through a lot of like therapy and like introspection, I realized like, Oh, like I was just comparing my body to these like Amazon <laughs> women that you know were it's like legs went up gr- to your ears <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah and ears. it's like I mean that's what happens when you grow like a foot in one summer you know you're gonna be like long and lean and so I, I remember looking at their legs and it was kind of when I don't know if you remember but it was like when the thigh gap was like a really big thing um. and I just remember thinking like, wow, like all these girls have thigh gaps. Like, why don't I have a thigh gap? Like, that's all that stood out to me. And so of course, you know, what naturally what any 
freshman in high school would do. I went on the internet and found all these Finspo Tumblr accounts. I don't know if you remember, like Tumblr was really big. I never used Tumblr and you're a little younger than me. So my thigh gap days were after college, but I can't even imagine combining thigh gap culture with my already insecure volleyball booty short life. You (laughs) are in this perfect store with these Tumblr didn't spell things that I didn't partake in either, but you were just yeah. in a perfect storm here. Honestly, it was a hot ass mess. I mean, I just remember <laughs> going on Tumblr and literally like some of these Tumblr accounts would tell you it, it was like people documenting, you know, basically all these tips and tricks of how to starve yourself without actually oh dying is like how, it, like, basically that's like what it was. It was like, Oh, like, you know, if you're super hungry, feel like you're going to pass out, just like have half an apple. And like, oh of God. course my, you know, impressionable little brain, I was like, okay. So I remember going to school and this was kind of like, you know, sophomore year of high school. And I would pack like all of these, you know, super low calorie and basically kind of like starve myself all day lunches. Cause I was packing the lunches. So my parents like had no mm-hmm. idea. And I would come home at like 3, 3.30 p.m. from school, ravenous, obviously. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I would kind of, I remember like I would have some days where I was like really good and would like resist. And then I would have some days where I would just binge on like everything I could get my hands on in my pantry. And I remember really feeling these feelings of shame and guilt associated with that. And my dad, you know, at the time was obviously a teacher. So he was home around the same time and he builds ukuleles, oh. which is random, but like, it's like his passion project. That's so cool. Um, he's actually building his number 100 right now for this like wow. guy in Australia. Yeah. It's like super cool. My sister plays the ukulele. <laughs> oh, no way. Yes, that's he did, cool. Yeah. I mean, he we'll, could we'll hook one. them up. Yeah. Maybe yeah, for we'll, a birthday we'll present, I'll, I'll get her one from your dad. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So he has this workshop on the side of our house and it's, you know, so he would always be in there. And I just remember this feeling of like, I would be in the pantry and I would like look over my shoulder to make sure he wasn't coming into the house from the workshop, you know, because mm. it was this shame associated with, I didn't want to get caught eating. It was this, the, this bizarre thing. And looking back, like I have so much compassion for my younger self. Like I was like, Oh my God, of course, you know, you weren't eating all day. Your poor little brain is like, just searching for any nutrients it could get its hands on. And, but at the time it just felt like I was such a failure and why couldn't I, you know, be thin, et cetera. So this continues, I go to college. I went to UC Berkeley and studied, of course, nutrition. Nutrition, Um, mm -hmm. And because at the time, you know, I loved food, but I kept thinking, you know, maybe I just don't know something. Maybe like, maybe if I learn all the things there are to learn about nutrition, like some little piece of knowledge will just unlock this like secret to being thin. That was very twisted, but that's like where my mind was. So of course, as you can probably assume, you know, studying nutrition didn't help my anxiety around food and my obsession and like pretty much orthorexia. Honestly, You didn't learn the secret? <laughs> no. I thought that's why I brought you on the show to tell me the secret. Yeah. So the secret is there's no secret. <laughs> Love yourself. Um, <laughs> so it just got you all crazy because you learned about all all the information, and then you you got into what information overload. Yeah, I mean, eating became just so stressful. Like it yeah. was, you know, I mean, it almost it obviously not almost it obviously made things ten times worse because you know, at least when I was younger, I was just listening to whatever someone told me. And so I was more malleable. And I wish like someone could intervene and be like, no, like, you know, could have caught me before it was like too late almost. But now it's like, I know, you know, how when you learn something like 
I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example, but it's like, you can't unlearn it. Yeah. Like it, especially with food, a lot of times it's like, once you kind of know the calorie counts of things, like as hard as you try. And even for me now, it's such a, a, you know, a daily struggle to just eat intuitively and like forget the numbers. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that was, you know, all through college. So then I graduate college. And the thing that I want to like be very clear about is this whole time I loved food and it was, I almost felt like, and I, you know, say this jokingly, but obviously it's not a joke. Like I was like a failed anorexic because I wasn't this like, you know, 70 pound wafy girl that like was in and out of treatment in the hospital. Like I looked perfectly normal because I was going through the restriction. And then I, but I loved food so much that like I would then like, you know, have these episodes of like binging or like I would cook this delicious meal and eat it, but the whole time feel so mentally restricted and guilty. So it was like, you know, a lot of times like my friends didn't know, my family didn't know. And so that made it 10 times worse because it was like this internal, you know, battle that I was kind of facing. Well, you've written about, and this is appropriate for right now, you wrote about coming home for Thanksgiving, I guess your freshman year, and you were 15 pounds lighter and you came home and you got all the compliments. You said everyone Mm -hmm. was like, oh my God, tell me your secret. And you were like, oh, just eating healthy and exercising and tell me more about that. Was that any pivotal Mm -hmm. moment? I would have assumed that was the start of your healing, but it sounds like that was freshman year and you uh, didn't maybe recover and start recovering until after college. So that's many more years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So freshman year of college was, it, it was the lowest that I had ever gotten weight wise, but it was also the most depressed and anxious I have ever been in my entire life. So I guess to like, you know, catapult myself into freshman year. So my grandmother passed away the day that I left for college and she was literally my best friend. So that was kind of hard. You know, it was like a combination of obviously leaving home is so hard for everyone. And I had a long distance boyfriend um, from high school, which I know a lot of people have going into college. And so we were like, we're going to do the long distance thing. And that was like a very dramatic relationship. Um, I had one of those. Yeah. I feel like everyone does. Um, but you know, you have to kind of learn, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, it was just a combination of things and just, I think it was the first time in my life where I was, you know, unsupervised, so to speak. Like my parents were never helicopter parents, but it was really the first time where I was making all my meals for myself. Like I had full control. And so, you know, I just remember like, and I lived on these, um, in this dorm building that was like the farthest away from campus. It was like where all the athletes lived, which was weird because I wasn't an athlete. I think it was like a mix up, but (laughs) I was surrounded (laughs) by like all the hot football players. So I was not complaining. Yeah. And so I was walking, you know, it was like at least like a mile and a half walk each way to campus. So like I was walking a ton. I was, you know, I just remember going to bed, just literally hearing the audible growl of my stomach every night. Like it was like Mm. a terrible time in my life. And so, yeah. And I came home, you know, over Thanksgiving. And of course I think a lot of this was driven by my fear of this freshman 15. So it was like, you know, heightened because I was like, I don't want to gain this. And so it was like almost had the opposite effect. So I go home and all, yeah, all my friends, even girls who I went to high school with, I was like super nerdy. Obviously I went to Berkeley. So I was super nerdy in high school, like didn't drink. And all these cool girls from high school were reaching out to me and they were like, what's your secret? Like, what have you been doing? And it just was really mm-hmm. messed up because like I, you know, wanted to scream out for help and it was my cry for help. And, um, all they saw on the outside was like, Oh, Allie looks thinner. Like, I wonder what she's doing. She must be so happy and mm-hmm. you know, whatever. 
So yeah, so then I guess, you know, sophomore through senior year, I think I loosened the reins a little bit. I definitely was partying a lot more and I was generally like having a, a more of a normal college experience, thank God, because, you know, I would hate to look back and like with regret and be like, God, you know, I missed out on just the most like carefree years of your life. Um, mm-hmm. because obviously college is stressful, like with classes and stuff, but looking back now, I'm like, damn, like I didn't know how good I had it, you know? Yeah. But, you know, then I graduated and really at that point I felt like I was in such a better relationship with food, but there was still this feeling of, you know, anxiety. And like, I remember going to dinner with my girlfriends and we were living in San Francisco um, went to this like trendy new restaurant. We were all getting wine. And I remember like they were having a full on conversation about who knows what. And in my mind, I was just thinking, okay, what's the healthiest thing on the menu? Okay. Kale salad. Going to get that. And then in the back of my head, I was like, oh, but I really want the tacos. Like it was just this chatter back and mm. forth in my head. And it was so frustrating to me because I was like, I'm not present here with my girlfriends. You know, we're like, I, this is where I should be not in my head worried about what I should be eating. So I reached out finally to, um, Molly, which as you know, balanced by Molly on Instagram. And I think, you know, the reason I reached out to her was because social media is so awesome for like health coaches and, and nutritional therapists and stuff. Because before I had even seen her profile on Instagram, I had already like totally written off seeking out help because in my mind, I, you know, again, I went back to, well, I'm not underweight. Like, you know, seeing treatment seems so intense. Like my problem isn't that bad. And so then I found, you know, her Instagram account. I was like, wow, she looks so approachable. And like, she's cute and younger and, and seems like someone I'd be friends with. You know, I listened to some of her stories and I was like, wow, she's like very easy to talk or seems easy to talk to. And so it was kind of a nice, I think for anyone who's considering like reaching out um, for help, I think that's kind of a nice stepping stone is, is reaching out to someone like that. Cause in my mind, I was like, Oh, a therapist is probably some like crotchety old woman. That's like <laughs> judging me. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is not what it is at all. You know? Well, when so. you say that, you know, you had a problem and you wanted to reach out for your problem, what was your problem at this point? Cause you said you're not underweight, you know, you don't have maybe the makings of a traditional eating disorder. You're clearly educated in nutrition. So what at that moment were you like, shit, I have a problem. This is my problem. I need help with this problem. Like what was the problem? Yeah. Um, so I would call it, and I still, to this day, I mean, I call it an eating disorder, but at the time I think it was just like generalized food anxiety. Mm. And I think, you know, that's something that I really want to drive home. And it's something that I, on my, on my platform and everything really tried to emphasize is like, you don't have to have this cookie cutter eating disorder. That's like, okay, I'm bulimic or Mm -hmm. I'm anorexic because that's what kept me stuck for so long because I was like, well, you know, yeah, I guess I restrict sometimes, but then I binge sometimes. And like, I've tried to throw up my food, but I've never been successful at it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was like all of these little bits and pieces of traditional eating disorders that, and I just, I think if you're ever feeling any type of like weirdness around food or general like anxiety or anything, I mean, you don't have to justify it. Just like, I think seeking help you know, or talking to someone is like one of the best things you can do. No, it's awesome. I'm really glad we clarified that because I think especially, I mean, I'm no expert on eating disorders, but I do feel like there's a lot of people that have some sort of generalized food anxiety, like you just said, Mm -hmm. you know, that might not just fit in the classic, you know, the I'm anorexic box, but like are funky around food. And I don't think 
basically what you're saying is you were feeling the food was taking over your quality of life in a bad way. And no one deserves to experience that. Mm -hmm, Totally. I just remember too. So at this point I had been dating my current boyfriend, Eric for, you know, we had been together for a couple years and he is like, I mean, most guys are, I think just the most normal eater. Like he, we would go out and it's like, you know, if I wanted to go to my like healthy food, like he would eat that. But then if he got Taco Bell, like no big deal. And I remember wanting that so bad. And I guess that was kind of, that Mm. was always what I was after. It was like, I just want to be the girl that is just chill around food and like eat something and move the hell on, you know? Yeah. And it was just, that was, I kind of think what was like the biggest driving thing for me in or in terms of getting recovery, because it was like, I just wanted to feel normal around food and like not crazy. (laughs) So did you do it? Did you get chill around food? I have. Yeah. It's, it's insane. I mean, I still to this day, you know, I always say like, obviously recovery is like a journey. It's like never linear and there's still days, but I'm every day I'm, you know, learning and growing and working at it. I think for me too, part of, you know, being more chill around food is actually not being as involved with nutrition as I would like Mm -hmm. to be, which So you kind of have to figure it out. Like before, you know, I was listening to all these like nutrition podcasts and even listening to a lot of recovery podcasts. So like a lot of like intuitive eating and health at every size. And I think the more that I involve myself, like even on Instagram too, sometimes I find myself like getting too deep in my feed or whatever. And I find myself getting like a little obsessive again. So I kind of have to like pull back. So Mm -hmm. like starting my business, you know, has been awesome for me because it kind of like it brings myself out of my body and into something bigger. And, you know, it's like, I'm so busy trying to keep this business alive that like, I don't have time to think about my body, which, you know, isn't obviously the reason why a lot of people think about their bodies. Like there's a lot of internal stuff and it it goes deeper than that. But I think for the most part, it's like finding your passion that's outside of food, Mm -hmm. um, which was a really scary question for me. And that's something that Molly really challenged me with when I first started working with her was like, a lot of times she says that women or in men who have issues with eating, like it's comfortable for them to think about food all the time because there's so much headspace that is taken up. And, and it's scary to think, you know, if you healed your relationship with food, like what would you think about right. and what would you spend your time doing? Right. And it was something that terrified me because I remember, I mean, even in job interviews, like they would ask me, so what are some of your hobbies? And like, I'm not going to say counting calories, <laughs> <laughs> you know? I would say, you know, oh, cooking, cooking and like I entertaining. To eat healthy, uh-huh. yeah, traveling. But it it wasn't true. It was like those were things that I wanted to do, but mm-hmm. I I felt like I couldn't. So yeah, I mean, I guess to answer your question, I I definitely feel in such a better place. But I in no means, you know, just wake up every day and feel like, you know, everything is fine and dandy. Like it takes some some effort. I don't think anybody does. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't wake up every single day like everything is fine and dandy. Even my husband, who's a dude who should be chill around food, he doesn't wake up every single day thinking things are fine and dandy. I don't know anybody who does. So I don't think that expectation should be out there for anyone to be like, oh, I'm a mess if I don't feel dandy every day. But I think we're looking at more times than not. Do you feel chill around food is the goal? Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I want to circle back to this whole idea of like information overload because you definitely 
put yourself in that position by, you know, studying nutrition at UC Berkeley. And then you learned all the nutrition facts and all the good and bad and the science and da, 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 da. And I can totally understand that it was like paralyzing to you. And it, it put all these uh, voices in your head every time you had to make a decision. But I also feel like even non nutrition students in our day and age are experiencing information overload as it pertains to food. What are your thoughts on that? Like, how does one, you think, recognize if they're operating on information overload? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I think, I mean, especially now with all of these different diets and and people love to like associate themselves with a diet. And I think it goes back to, I was reading some article about it. Like it kind of goes back to being part of a community or like a tribe, you know, it's like, you obviously want to associate yourself with something because it gives you an identity. And so there's like the paleo camp and they're like, okay, you know, grains and whatever is bad. And then you have like, you know, vegans that are like, oh, well meat is, is the devil. And it's just, it becomes really stressful because I think nutrition now is you know, you can find an argument for, for anything. Like I remember, um, hearing about that lectin book Uh and all of a sudden, you know, people are afraid to eat vegetables and I'm like, holy shit. Like we are just screwing ourselves over right now because this country does not need people who are afraid of vegetables, more people that are afraid of vegetables. Um, so no, I agree with you. I think it becomes really challenging and complicated and it really is just, you know, it sounds cliche, but it really is like, you have to find what works for you. Like I followed the kind of the keto, even like, paleo, I guess it wouldn't be paleo, but more like high fat diets. And I think a lot of times on Instagram, like you can be persuaded into thinking that you need these big bowls filled with like coconut yogurt and nut butter. And, you know, even a lot of my photos, it's like dripping with nut butter and, and so I kind of had this like portion distortion, um, just from, portion from kind distortion. of, yeah, like <laughs> you like that, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> just from kind of, you know, being on Instagram and seeing these like, oh, well, like, you know, shut the kale up, like eats all this like fat bowl with like balls on it and, and <laughs> nut butter and, and all this stuff, you know, fat bowl and, with balls. <laughs> yeah, like, that's some great sound and, bites here <laughs> yeah I know I'm like giving you all that. um but it's like and so it's like oh and and sh- you know she's cute and she's thin like I'm gonna I'm gonna eat this and then I would get this huge stomach ache because it's like so much fat and so then you know I mean heaven forbid I start including carbs into my diet and so actually now like I feel a lot better when I do more higher carb and and proteins and like you know, some healthy fat, but not like the keto style of like high fat, low carb. And so, but you really have to play around with it. Like it's so different for everyone. And, um, and so I think something that's tough for like people who are trying to kind of get a grasp on like what's healthy nowadays is just all these big companies are capitalizing on the wellness trend. And so, you know, you have like the biggest budgets in marketing that are that are throwing money at, at wellness. And so of course you're going to get some like mixed messages. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I, we have to talk about this nut situation because this portion distortion is so real. And I love that, but it is, I don't love it, but I love the portion distortion rhyme, but, um, dude, it is crazy. I am calming clients down all the time about their nut butter use because they go on and they see all this stuff on Instagram. Like you're saying with like globs and globs and quarter, cups and half cups of nut butter dumped onto fat balls and all this stuff. And then they eat it and they're like, why aren't I losing weight eating plants? <laughs> and I'm like, because right. there's a bajillion calories in nut butter. 
that's, you know, and that's beyond the point. There's a difference between something being unhealthy, you know, and healthy. And nut butter, I think, is like kind of in the middle. I wouldn't say it like improves one's health, but I wouldn't say it's unhealthy. It's a nice little garnish. But I mean, you definitely are a big drizzler. So how do you drizzle without the stomach? Mm -hmm. Like, how have you found your balance there? Because, you know, you're known for the drizzle or I feel like you have a better word for it. Isn't there a word? Yeah, for yeah. It? I keep, yeah, well, I, I usually say like free the drip. I don't the know. Drip. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. The drip. Um, yeah, I mean, my my comment to that is like, why are you going on Instagram to get a sense for how much food to eat? And mm, and that's a question that, you know, shit. I had to ask myself because that's what I was doing. And I think, you know, people will message me and they're like, oh, you know, these smoothies that you make are totally like the wrong portions and you're you're encouraging people to overeat. You know, I get those messages all day long and like, okay, yes. But at the same time, Instagram to me and my platform, I've always like from the beginning, I've used it as a creative outlet and somewhere where I can create, it's almost like food art. Like I, um, which sounds kind of, you know, dramatic, like obviously I eat what I make, but I'm not going to be eating like the whole thing. It's like you go on Instagram and you're yeah, you're bombarded by like, all these like huge drippy things and people do it because it's like, you want to stand out and you want to, you know, get more eyes and you want to get more likes and comments. And I'm not, you know, embarrassed to admit it. Like that's, if I posted my actual, what, like what I actually consume, like the portions in photos, it just looks so measly and small that it's like, it doesn't, it's not even appealing to okay. the guy. <laughs> we need to just, I am, I am so appreciative of you telling the truth because I honestly don't think anyone has told the truth like that before. What you're saying, just to repeat, rewind, blah, 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 is you <laughs> sometimes post things that are larger than what you actually eat. And maybe you yes. eat that thing in like three or four sittings. Absolutely. Oh my God. Actually, <laughs> do you realize that most that people post. don't understand that? And they, and this yeah. is also, and also most people aren't honest about it, which I think is more the issue that like, I'm mm. a very gullible, trusting swiper, you know, Jesse, my husband gives me so much shit for how gullible I am. I believe every little thing that I see in here. I'm just like, Oh, that person's like on a vacation right now. And like, they're likely just posting something from years ago anyway. But, um, <laughs> so I mean, I believe that people are eating what they're showing as well. And it's really refreshing to know that that is not always the case. That sometimes yeah. people like you consider it more art or more inspiration, which is a different, you know, way of operating. Like on Instagram, when I post things like that's what I'm eating, but I'm not mm-hmm. posting dramatic, beautiful drips like you do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, totally. And actually, this is a really I'm glad that we're talking about it because I think, you know, it's easy to kind of just operate the way that you've been kind of going on about your life. And I, I want to do a post, maybe I'll talk about it like tomorrow or the next day, <laughs> but I want to make it super clear because yeah, in my mind, you know, when I'm creating something, it's totally that it's inspiration. And I'll usually have a couple bites, give the rest to Eric, or I'll make a huge batch of cookies or whatever, you know, give them to my roommates, give them to my parents. Like I'm not sitting there eating all the cookies that I just made. And so I think you're right. Yeah. Maybe I, I guess I didn't realize like I need to totally be more transparent about like this isn't my day to day diet. And I mean, even with like, yeah, posting old vacation photos, like 
I definitely recirculate um, content. Like this week, I'm in the kitchen all week. Like I do not have time to take photos of every single meal. So I'll be posting meals that I had like pre created, you know, last week or something, or even earlier than that. But um, yeah, no, I'm glad we're talking about that. Because I definitely don't want anyone to like, think that they should copy exactly what I'm posting just because of, you know, to try and think that that's like the healthiest. No, I appreciate that, that you are like, yo, let me clarify this. Because I think, you know, a lot of people, A, don't care to clarify it. And B, you know, other people believe everything that they see me being one of them. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but on the topic of nuts, I know you heavily restricted nuts for years and I'm curious why that was. And then I know you reintroduced them back into your diet and what happened? Just tell me your little nuts story. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just tell you a Go little nuts. Tale. I'm going nuts. Um, so yeah, I mean, nuts and nut butter was something that I restricted for so long. And I think it was because I was terrified of it. Like I did not trust myself around those foods. Nuts are tough. I, yeah, I have a slippery slope with nuts as well. It's it's not easy to just go light on the nuts. I think a lot of the nuts now and nut butters are, it's so easy to overeat them. And really, I mean, not that I'm encouraging that everyone stick to going by portion sizes, but I think with something like nuts, they're just so calorie dense. Yeah. It is hard to really use intuitive eating with those. And, um, and that's something that I've had to teach myself. Like, you know, in my intuitive eating journey, I was in- incorporating way more nuts than I should have. Like, cause you obviously, I mean, through Instagram and stuff, you see, pe- you see people just piling it on. And so you kind of get like this portion distortion love it. and love it. And so, <laughs> yeah. So like digestively, I was a yeah. hot ass mess, like just such a wreck. And, and that's kind of actually where the idea for granola butter came yeah, into play because segue. yeah, yeah. Um, but it's true. I mean, I was like, damn, you know, like I want something, I was working out a ton, living in San Francisco, walking to and from work. So I really, you know, did need more calories, but I wanted something that was like still a good source of those healthy fats, but it was nut free. And there was like nothing out there. Like there was cookie butter, but that was obviously like not the healthiest option. And then, you know, there was some like sunflower seed butter, but I just really didn't like the flavor of that. So that's where the idea for granola butter was born. Um, I just remember thinking like, you know, everyone loves granola. Like bitches love granola. Why not make it into a spread? So I'm with you that too many nuts makes my stomach go nuts. Would you say that, you know, when you've talked to other women, is this a common experience that peeps have where just their tummies aren't digging all the nuts? I think it is. I've gotten really into, um, I don't know if you follow Tanya Zuckerbrot, but she she uh, created the company F factor and like, she calls herself like the fiber lady, but, um, she's the one that actually kind of, a lot of her clients are looking for weight loss. And, and I started incorporating some of her principles just because she talks a lot about getting more fiber into your diet because I was experiencing, not sure if this is TMI, but I always go there, but I was experiencing so much constipation from eating all these nuts. Like it just, I mean, if you think about it, they kind of just like, yes, nuts have like some fiber, but they kind of just, I mean, it's exactly yeah. how you would imagine it. Like they just sit there. And, <laughs> I'm, I'm just imagining like a pile of pecans yeah. lined, lined up in your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Literally same. <laughs> and like nut butter just like sticking to the walls of your intestines. <laughs> um, and so I started listening. I started following her on Instagram, listening to some of her, her principles. And, you know, she was just touting, like talking all about fiber and was really kind of breaking down 
a lot of these um, fears about like, because obviously the only fiber is found in carbs. So I started kind of switching over, you know, I was doing like tons and tons of nuts, but I was terrified of carbs and switching over and doing more like high fiber, which I know because you're all about the plants. So I was doing some more, you know, high fiber, like some veggies and, and even like healthy carbs and stuff like that. And just feeling so much like I was like light as a goddamn feather. I was like, oh my God, (laughs) this is great. So that's awesome. So then you started queen granola butter. Like how, I mean, you're just a gal. I mean, you are in, you were in San Francisco, which is like startup nation. So I guess you wanted to join the trend of starting something up, (laughs) but like, how did you just a gal figure out how to start a company and a nut butter brand or nut butter, excuse me, a granola butter brand? Um, how the hell did this happen? Yeah, I am truly just a gal. Like I have. <laughs> do you like that? I just no, keep telling you, you are just a gal. I'm just a gal. No, it's so true. Like if I can do it, anyone can do it. Seriously. I mean, I have no experience in the food industry aside from you know eating it, like knowing <laughs> aside from eating it, um, exactly. And so I just was a gal with a lot of passion. Um, and so Eric and I actually we co-founded it. Um, my boyfriend, we we started it together, and really, I mean, I created the idea, but I was not, I'm kind of more like the ideator, you know, creative type. And he's like engineer. Uh, he's like the execution guy. Like cool. he'll just like do it. You need so we that. were kind of thinking like, wow, you know, cause in my mind I was like, this is a cool idea. You know, I Googled it. Nothing came up. I was like, wow, no one's ever done this before. That's cool. Moving on. And he was like, hold up. Like, wait a <laughs> sec. We, you know, you were just going like, to like go to bed be like, okay, good to know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I invented something. That's cool. Um, and I don't know. And so he was like, no, like we need to do this. And he is like, has no experience, like even less experience with food than I do. And so, but like, he has the, more of the finance, he's in consulting more like business acumen than I did. And, um, and he was like, no, let's like, let's do this. So he's the one that really kind of kicked my ass into gear. And we um, brought in Ari, who is our chef, um, who actually Eric and Ari know each other from Jewish summer camp, which where all magical yeah. things happen, I feel like. Jew camp, um, that's what's yeah. up. I never summer went to, camp. are you Jewish? Did you go to Jewish summer camp? I'm, no, I'm not. You're not but Jewish. I, I'm, yeah, Jewish. That's okay. We still like you. I'm Jewish and I did not go to summer camp. I went to basketball camp. Not oh, too camp. Ooh, yeah. You're sporty though. I'm very sporty, except for no volleyball for me. Basketball, you could wear the <laughs> just... long shorts that cover all your thighs. It was perfect. Oh my God. That's perfect. <laughs> I love it. You picked like the opposite shorts. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. So then Ari at the time was, he was actually over in Paris. Um, so Eric and I were in Paris for a, just a vacation. And he was out there cooking at this like awesome, you know, he worked in Michelin star restaurants, but had wow. no, no idea about like the wellness bubble that was going on. So like for him, you know, he is so used to fine dining and he's like, all right, if I need to make something taste good, like I'm going to throw some more butter in there. Um, <laughs> but like he had just the technical know-how that like, as, as much as I love food, I just didn't have. And so we were like, perfect. Like we are the trifecta. We're going to start this company. Um, and really, I mean, we are still bootstrapped. We haven't raised any money. Um, and so I, I think it really is possible. I mean, we, it's definitely taken some capital and we, um, you know, all have contributed a, a fair amount, but really like there's so many ways about starting a company that you can not cut corners, but do it in a way, um, 
cheaper way. Like a lean um, like startup a, type of situation. Totally. Oh yeah. I mean, definitely. We, we definitely tackled it like a tech company. Um, you know, we had our minimum viable product. We nice. iterated, you know, all these tech Ooh, look at you. So fancy. I learned in San Francisco. Um, but yeah, I mean, even down to like our label, you know, my friend Hannah, who was working at my, my full-time job at the time, she was a designer there. She was like, Hey, like I'm, you know, starting to build out my portfolio. Would I be down to like design your guys's logo for you? If you just give me like throw a few jars of granola butter my way. And, um, so yeah, just stuff like that where, you know, you don't have to go use some big fancy like design firm, um, or anything like that. And, you know, my background, um, is kind of like marketing PR. So I did all of our own PR and, and obviously like social media marketing and stuff like that. So I think there's cheaper ways to do it. Um, definitely we're reaching the point now where we're kind of like, okay, you know, I think in order to get to the next level, you definitely need, um, to kind of start looking at either like a friends and family round or, Mm -hmm. or just like a, a seed round or something. So we're starting to kind of, think about that, but it's hard. Cause like the more money you accept, then you obviously give away equity. Yep. I learned that on shark tank. Watch, yeah. <laughs> no, on shark tank, watching shark tank. Yeah. <laughs> so what Shark's are some, like, oh. yeah, I was on shark tank. Now what are uh, some of the ingredients in your granola butter? Yeah. So, um, I like to kind of explain granola butter as, um, cause a lot of people, especially when I'm demoing, they'll kind of, you know, slowly make their way up to the table and they're just like, what is like this granola butter? Like, is it literally butter, like a milk butter? Um, but I like to, you know, just explain it. It's a a nut butter alternative that is nut free and, and tastes like, um, like granola. So, um, a lot of people say it tastes like liquid Teddy Grahams or I have a person say a liquid churro. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's just, it's cinnamony. It's slightly sweet. We only use, you know, organic maple syrup. So it's only three grams of of sugar per serving. Cause obviously I was like the nutrition police and I was like, all right, we need to keep this a little bit healthy over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and olive oil. Ingredients, mm-hmm, the ingredients are, um, gluten-free oats. We do flax, um, for a little bit of like that nutty flavor and then some fiber. And then the healthy fats we use are coconut oil and olive oil. And both of those are super intentional. So, you know, the olive oil for like the super healthy, um, unsaturated, fats and then coconut oil for more like the texture aspect. So, um, cause we wanted it to be kind of more thicker and spreadable. And so, you know, we couldn't use like a, a liquid at room temp oil. Yeah. Um, and I know coconut oil is controversial right now. Um, my opinion on it is like everything in moderation. Um, but you know, I think it's, I definitely was very opposed to using like obviously a canola or, or like a very processed, um, vegetable oil. So coconut oil to me seemed like the best option. Um, and then, and then for sweetness, the maple syrup, and then we do just, um, some sea salt and then some spices and our spice blend is super warming. It's kind of like, if you think about like fall and Christmas flavors, so it's, you know, cinnamon and, and stuff like that. It's wonderful. It's delicious. And you have a seasonal pumpkin one right now. We do. In case you didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, just one with collagen too, in case like some people, you know, want that little extra protein boost. Yeah. That's awesome. And what are some of your favorite ways to use it? I've drizzled it on all the, I mean, I just use instead of nut butter, you know, quite frankly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, I would use it any way you would a nut butter. Um, a lot of people like it, you know, just on a banana on fruit. It's super easy. Um, we're going to be coming out with a like the single serving packet soon oh. um which would be great just for you know kind of like those little justin's nut butter packets 
but yeah. And I actually really like kind of a, a life hack is if you like stir it up cause, um, it's like a natural peanut butter. So the oil separates, mm-hmm. um, which we're working on right now, but it's hard to do without using any sort of gums and stuff. Yeah. Um, but we are working with a food scientist right now for that. Um, cause like no one likes that oil slick on top. Like it doesn't look very appetizing, you know? Yeah. So yeah. But, um, so if you stir it up really good and stick it in the fridge, it almost becomes this like cookie dough consistency. Cause the coconut oil hardens. It's really good. So Ooh. that in itself, like I always keep a jar in the fridge and like, it just have a little spoonful, you know, whenever I need a little boost. Um, but if you like it more drippy, then you can just pop it in the microwave for like 15 seconds or something. That's good to know. I actually, we keep our dog's peanut butter. He has his own jar of peanut butter in the fridge because otherwise, because it's like natural peanut butter, otherwise it gets too drippy and it falls through the Kong when we put it in his Kong Mm. for him to eat. It like goes through the hole. So we have to keep it in the fridge so it solidifies so he can enjoy it. Oh my gosh. You don't treat him well at all, do you? No, he's has the worst life ever. The worst. <laughs> well, one yeah. thing that's really cool about clean foods, as you call it, is that it's more than what you say a company, but you say it's a community brimming with self-love and body positivity. I'm curious, why is it so important to you to bundle your food with self-love and body positivity too? I mean, this is more than just granola butter you're putting out into the world. You're putting out so much honesty and transparency and love. And I'm mm-hmm. that's unusual to sell food and love. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And I think kind of what our our whole reason behind that was I noticed a lot of these companies and even, you know, most of these wellness companies are really well-intentioned, but a lot of times they'll come at you as a consumer, they'll come at you with their nutrition information first, right? So it's like, Hey, like buy our collagen because it's, you know, nine grams of protein and zero carbs or whatever. And so as a consumer, it's kind of like you're eating that food subconsciously, you know, whether you you think about it or not, you're eating it because you're like, okay, this is healthy for me. This is healthy for me. And I wanted to create a company with the mission of like, look, like, yo, (laughs) we're creating, you know, this product for you. You know, all the ingredients are well-sourced, you know, our collagen is grass-fed, our our ingredients are organic, like, you know, it's going to nourish your body, but we want to, we want you to buy it from a place of self-love and body positivity. So it's like, you know, you can nourish your body, but you also can live your best life. Like you don't have to choose. Mm. Um, and that was really something I didn't notice a lot of companies doing was coming from this place of like, you know, nutrition and wellness is such a, a spectrum and it's really multifaceted and it's not just what you eat. It's, it's so much more than that. And I mean, I was probably the healthiest and happiest I've ever been when I was in Italy with my family. And I was, you know, nutritionally probably eating like way more pasta and gelato, but like, I felt so good about what I was eating and I was happy and excited to eat it. And I think we need more of that in the world and less of like, eat this because it's, you know, kale, there's kale in it or, you know, something where it's like, people are, are doing it just for the nutrition. So I think that's, that's kind great. of like, yeah, the the reason behind that. No, it's amazing. I mean, you're so right that there is often a separation between nutrition and, you know, wellness in the sense of a whole person and being well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't just buy the bar or eat the kale and then mm-hmm. it, it's a whole we're holistic beings and we're multifaceted and it's not enough to just put kale in our body and not have positive thoughts as well. And I love that you're bridging the gap between a 
product and a way of eating with, you know, lifestyle and positive thinking and loving your body. And you are so bold and honest about, you know, body confidence is, mm-hmm. has that, how did that start for you? I mean, did you just one day decide to like, just let it out? Because I don't know, you, you're you so open about it so often about, you know, yeah. loving your body for what it is and don't compare yourself and we all have roles and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's funny because actually if you ask, you know, my girlfriends from high school or something, like I have never been the, this, the one that was like, wanted to be center of attention. Like I'm very comfortable in the periphery and, you know, I'm outgoing and I'm, I'm, I'm a conversationalist, like I'm talkative, but I, it's, you know, to my core, I'm like kind of an introvert. And I, I like, you know, after a whole day of events or talking to people, like I would like to come home and, and have my alone time. And even Eric knows that he's like, okay, I'm going to go, you know, (laughs) hang out with my buddies to like give you your alone time. Um, so no, I mean, this is not like, it's not, I was not born with like all this body positivity. Um, I think a lot of it honestly is really just me kind of, it's like my own therapy on a public platform. And it's, you know, in turn also helping other people. Like I, I, I continue to share and I continue to be really open and transparent because it's really easy to fall back into old ways and it's easy to, Mm -hmm. you know, go on Instagram and start to compare yourself. And that's when I catch myself and I'm like, shit, like, I'm feeling really insecure looking at these Victoria's Secret model pictures, you know, nothing against them. They're amazing people, but I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but or I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but, you know, it's like, okay, shit, like I need to snap out of it. And so it's almost like, you know, me putting my message out there is a way to kind of it's like self therapy. But then at the same time, like I want to people to come to my page. And I want them to leave feeling better than when they came, you know, like I, I, there are so many times where like, I'll go on Instagram and I'm feeling like pretty good about myself, you know, good about my life and hashtag blessed. And then I like go on this, you know, like mom that lives in Hawaii and she has like five beautiful bronze children and only eats mangoes all day and like doesn't work. (laughs) And is like, you know, looks like a model. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, like what? You know, know, and I leave feeling so inadequate. And so it's like, you know, obviously again, nothing against her, but it's obviously comes from my own insecurities. Um, but I, I just, I never want people to come to my page and, and feel like they want my life or, you know, I just want to be as real as possible and, and show kind of the good and the bad. I love that. I'm like, I, I, if I could, I'm air exclamation marking everything you just said. I mean, yeah, that is so legit. And what's so funny about that is you're describing like this mom in Hawaii with five bronze babies eating mangoes all day. Like, <laughs> you're not a mom. You don't want to move to Hawaii and have five babies. I'm not either. And I do not want to live in Hawaii and have five babies and eat mango all day. But there is a thing about stupid social media where like we look at those photos and we're like, fuck. Like my life isn't as good as that, even though it's literally not something I even want. But then you're like you said, you walk away feeling less positive and satisfied and confident and happy than you did before. And Mm -hmm. what is up with that? How do you catch yourself? I mean, yeah, it sounds like you're pretty good at catching yourself and and snapping out of it, question mark. I mean, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, I think it's gotten a lot um easier to just notice but i i think social media the the kind of the bummer about it is 
it's such a powerful tool and it's all about how you use it. You know, it's like, I think obviously you can say that about a lot of things, but like for me and you, it's, you know, I have to be on it. Obviously it's how I grew my business and it's how I grew my platform and it's how I connect with everyone who follows me. And that really brings me a lot of joy. But I think that the biggest difference is noticing when I'm using it actively and, you know, reaching out to businesses to try to get granola butter in or, um, you know, connecting with people who follow me and we're talking about body image and stuff like that. Like that is a great positive use of social media or like if I'm using it passively and, you know, I'm avoiding all of the tasks that all the emails that have piled mm-hmm. up and I'm laying in bed, you know, after my alarm went off and all of a sudden an hour goes by and I'm just passively scrolling. Like that is where I need to catch myself. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely, I mean, even when I left my, my full-time job and started, um, working from home, like I was floundering for so long and it was really hard for me to kind of find my path and my groove in terms of like schedule. I'm like the type of person that needs kind of a a rigid schedule or else I just kind of dilly dally. Mm -hmm. And so it was tough because I would wake up and, you know, had all these things to do, but couldn't really figure out the best way to, to plan them out in my day. And so I would find myself on Instagram a lot, just scrolling because in the back of my mind, like I had all this stuff to do, but I didn't know the best way to tackle it. And I was just avoiding, avoiding. And so Um, yeah, I mean, I just think that, you know, social media can be whatever you make it. I think it can be a source of anxiety, a source of comparison, or it can be this awesome platform that, you know, I've connected with so many like-minded people that I never thought that I would, you know, be able to meet and have access to. So totally. Yeah. I love that differentiation between passive and active being on social media. That's so legit. That is so good. So you say, I mean, along those lines that you like to help ladies feel like a queen again, K-W-E-E-N being queen. How do you define queen? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I define queen, it's changed a lot throughout the years, you know, kind of before this whole, I would call it like a spiritual awakening. (laughs) Um, That's a little dramatic, but like um, before, you know, when I was kind of just in, in the midst of diet culture and stuff, I always look to like Beyonce and obviously, you know, she's like the ultimate queen. And, but I never understood like why she was like such a queen to me. And I was like, I mean, yeah, she's like sexy and confident, but I really think, you know, I didn't even know it back then, but just watching her and, and watching some of these women who a lot of people, you know, her Rihanna, they're like, Oh, they're such Queens. Like they have, it's just confidence. And it really is. It's like, you know, everyone knows that woman who, maybe she's super fashionable and she kind of wears like whatever the hell she wants to wear. And, you know, you're kind of just like, damn, I wish I, I had the confidence to wear that. Or, or she like, maybe she has like a nose ring or like kind of crazy hair. And you're just like, wow, like I wish I was like trendy enough to do that. But like, the fact is like you can, and the only thing that sets you apart from, from her and yourself is just, she has the confidence and the, you know, kind of degaff, I guess, degaffness. Is that a verb? Um, <laughs> to just, to just do it and, and put yourself mm-hmm. out there and not care what everyone else thinks. So to me, like that is being a queen is just owning exactly who you are and like not apologizing for it. Mm. More exclamation points around that. More exclamation <laughs> points. That's freaking awesome. So how do you, if someone's listening and they're like, I want to be more like a queen, I want a little bit more queen yeah. in me. How does one even begin to start owning who they are and being more confident? Yeah, I think. um So something that I kind of talked about today on my most recent post was um, I've been talking a lot about like emotions and emotional eating lately. And I'm really grateful actually for 
all of my issues with food and cause obviously everything happens for a reason and it's kind of brought me to where I am today. And I always think like, you know, I was an emotional eater or I am an emotional eater, like something's wrong with me. But now I'm realizing that, you know, emotional eaters are actually like the best kinds of people. <laughs> um, because you know, you're someone who is, um, so like you can feel like the human spectrum of emotion is, um, so amazing. And it's just, it would be crazy to think, you know, what we would be without it. Like we'd be kind of just like numb and walking around. I don't know. It's probably how I imagine, you know, you feel when you are on like opioids or something like that. And so it's like not this like full juicy spectrum of human emotion that we're all lucky enough to be given. And so I think for someone who wants to feel more like a queen, like turn inward and, and really pay attention when you feel these emotions come up. Like, don't try to suppress them with food or, or drinking or, you know, other tools that people use shopping, gambling, like really try to lean in and feel those. And those are going to give you signals on who you really are. So like for myself, you know, before this whole food journey, I didn't even really know what I liked or, or who I was because I was just distracting myself with food and thinking about food. And so I've really started to feel like more in my queenness. Um, the more that I like start to feel my emotions more strongly and, and just let them kind of wash over me. And, um, I mean, emotions are nothing to be afraid of. Like they're just vibrations in your body. They only last, you know, a couple minutes at most. And, um, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, like I, I experience different emotions within just five minutes of scrolling Instagram. Sometimes <laughs> I'm like jealous and I'm happy and then I'm sad, you know? Oh my um, God. You're so right. And so, yeah. So I think, I think for someone who's like, oh, I want to feel more confident and stuff like, you know, it, it seems like weird advice, but for me, what's really helped is, is feeling those emotions. And so, mm-hmm. you know, cause you start to learn like, huh, I felt really anxious when this happened, Mm -hmm. but instead of trying to like move past it and brush over it, like really like noodle on it and like think about, you know, why that was and what made you feel that way. And maybe, you know, something in your life is making you feel insecure. And I think it'll just give you a more clarity on who you are and, you know, what lights you up and what turns you off. And then, you can kind of, I don't know is, if that makes sense. No, so it makes so much sense. And then start to own it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. really just tune in, see how, yeah. how you're processing life. And then, mm-hmm. you know, like you just personified a huge thing that I've done in becoming more confident and just fearless in owning who I am. Like even through my wedding planning process, I would tune into things that made me feel excited or made me feel really turned off. And we would incorporate those, however it made sense into the wedding. And by the end of it, we had a wedding that all of our guests were like, holy shit, that could not have been more you. That wedding was you put every bit of you in that wedding and they walked away being like, that was Tali and Jesse's wedding because we just owned everything about us that lit us up and, you know, did not include all the things about, you know, that's, that didn't light us up. That's my immediate reaction, like thought, just because I'm looking at my computer, my background is a wedding photo and I'm thinking of the wedding, but (laughs) yeah, but like, no, I mean, yeah, you just have to be honest with what lights you up, what doesn't light you up, what makes you happy, what doesn't, and then accept it because you can't really necessarily or nor should you try to fight those feelings like you're saying or eat over Mm -hmm. them or shop over them or gamble over them or whatever, just own it. And then, you know. I think through doing that, you start to really piece together who you really are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Love yeah. It. And it's just, I mean, it, it goes back to just being unapologetic about it. And I mean, obviously no one is 
innately like a huge raging bitch, right? Like, you know, it's like, don't be a rude, like terrible human and be like unapologetic about it, (laughs) but be, uh, that's not what I mean, but like be unapologetic about like, you know, for me, I always used to kind of, it's weird, but I used to like apologize for eating healthy at restaurants. Like I remember being out and like, I, you know, I wanted to kind of like be like a cool girl and like order a hamburger or whatever and like not give like a shit about what I was eating because like all, that's what all my friends were doing. And like, I didn't want them to think like, Oh, you know, she's like lame or like uptight for ordering like a salad. And, but really like, and this is after, you know, I had recovered. It wasn't like tied to that or anything. And, um, but now it's like, I love going to a restaurant and like, you know, sometimes, yeah, I I want a burger or whatever, but most of the time, like, I love the way I feel after Mm -hmm. getting like salmon and veggies or, you know, like a big, like local, like fresh salad. And I remember for the longest time I would get anxiety. Cause I'm like, Oh God, like, are, you know, are people going to think that I'm like restricting again? Like I had all these thoughts. And once I kind of was just like, I don't give a shit. Like I'm unapologetic about like, I want the salad period moving on. Like all of my anxiety evaporated. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, that's just one real life example, but you could talk about it with a lot of other things too. Oh, I love it. Amazing. 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 Awesome. Well, what is your favorite plant party restaurant? Ooh, let's see. I love, I know it's like pretty, it's like a chain now almost, but I love, have you been to True Food Kitchen? I have not, but I've heard of it. Okay. Yeah. So I, I like that place just because it's, well, there's a lot of them in, in Southern California. So I kind of feel like whenever I travel, it's always, I like to go there. It's a little overpriced, but I, I like it. Cool. You don't have to defend it. Own it. <laughs> Own it. <laughs> what is your favorite plant to eat? Ooh, I love jicama. Oh, weirdly. Yeah. That's random. What do you do with it? Dip it in guac or something? I like a little like um, the chili lime seasoning from mm. Trader Joe's and then a little salt. It's pretty good. That sounds good. I like jicama. It's not quite jicama season right now, at least where I am. Yeah. <laughs> What is your favorite thing to do with your granola butter? Ooh, um, put it on ice cream and it becomes like a magic shell consistency. Because of the coconut oil, it hardens up? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. baby. What kind of <laughs> ice cream? Um, ooh, I'm loving it. So I can't do dairy because it just, <laughs> I look like I'm nine months pregnant. I love dairy, but my body doesn't, dairy doesn't let me back. Um, so I love the coconut bliss. It's just so creamy. Mm-hmm. It's like coconut milk. Just their like pure naked coconut flavor. So my good. favorite. So good. Yum. I've never tried the granola butter on ice cream. I will have to do that. Oh, girl, For yeah. Sure. You will. Where can people get granola butter, by the way? Um, so we're expanding pretty quickly. Um, so lots of, you know, retail locations. We have a um just a section on our website where to find us. Um, so if you're in, you know, we're in a lot of stores up in the Bay area, starting to trickle down, um, air one market in LA and then um, a little, yeah, we're in, uh, at bridges general in NYC and where else a couple other East village organic. I'm trying to think wow. like near you. I didn't even know you were in stores. I thought it was all online. Yeah. That's freaking sick, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. Our retail is kind of expanding. And then, um, but otherwise, yeah, just online if you're, you know, not close to any of those locations. But what's and the website? It's just queen.co. Queen. K W E E N. Yeah, just Queen. Okay. Mm-hmm. K W E E N dot co. That's awesome. And what is okay, back to the questions. What is your most used kitchen tool? 
Ooh, probably. Oh, so cliche, but my Vitamix for sure. <laughs> I have never heard that one before. Brand yeah. new Wait. answer. Also, to like set myself apart a little, I've been super <laughs> into my waffle maker. Okay. Um, you know who you're talking night. to, right? Waffle no. queen over here. Are you waffle queen? Uh, <laughs> I love a good With waffle. With a K. But W-E-E-N. 599 <laughs> at Goodwill. It was like oh, the best purchase. Nice. A whole six bucks. That's awesome. <laughs> what is a book that has inspired you in some awesome way? I love the book, um, You Are a Badass by Jen, mm. Jen Sincero. Have you read that one? Yeah, I have. It is it just, great. I don't know. She speaks to me. Yeah, she's funny and yeah. good and to the point, blunt, great. I, I could see you resonating with that yeah. a lot, for sure. Okay, well, where can yeah. people stay in touch with you? Get all your queendom in their uh, life so, on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm Avo Queen, um, A-V-O-K-W-E-E-N. And then our brand Instagram is Queen & Co., and then our website is queen.co. So That's all awesome. the all the queens. That's yeah. cool. You are the yeah. queen. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on today and sitting in your car and chatting with us. I know. <laughs> I'm burning up so much gas. Ah, sorry, environment. Sorry. Okay. Well, yeah. thank you so thank much. You. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the Party in My Plants podcast. All I hope right now is that you're feeling more like a queen than you did 50-whatever minutes ago. I think a huge part of being more queenie is being more conscious about your social media scrolling. It's pretty wacky that this is even a real issue right now since thinking back to my volleyball shorts aversion days, we didn't even have smartphones or Facebook or Instagram. But this is a real issue nowadays, so what can you do? Well, what you literally can do is, like Allie said, work hard to catch yourself, comparing yourself, and feeling bad about yourself. I mean, if I had an apple for each time I've put myself in a bad mood comparing my life to that hot Hawaii mom's mango for lunch life, when truthfully I wouldn't even want to be a hot Hawaiian mom eating mangoes for lunch, I'd have a whole orchard of apples for each time I've lost the compare and despair battle. Anyway, just be more mindful of it, you know. Own your own life. Oh, and if you want to own some granola butter, which is really fabulous, and I'm not just saying that because Allie's probably going to listen to this. Hey, Allie. You can get your spoons on it by going to queen.co or hitting up the show notes for this episode at partyinmyplants.com slash 117. Thanks again so much for listening. And if you want to leave a review for my podcast and iTunes, I won't stop you. Though I might stop you for a thank you hug if we ever connect in real life. <laughs>